Hello and welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. My name is Rob. And Trisha's Hi, over Trisha. there. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, is she gonna say it? <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, sorry, scrolling. There we go. <laughs> it's good. Um, anyway, this is the For We Are Many podcast. Today we are doing our second part of three uh, in our Communist Manifesto series. Um, and we are picking it up at, in the paper book. It's page 20. Uh, Trisha, what page is it in the PDF? Uh, it is page 22, Proletarians and Communists. Okay, cool. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, part three will be next Tuesday. And um, tomorrow we have a piece on Emma Goldman, um, as well as Thursday, part 11 of the book, Seize the Time, the Story of the Black Panther Party by Bobby Seale. Hell yeah. All right, well, who's going first? Who's on second? Bad Rain Man joke. Yeah. Anyway, I'll dive in. <laughs> uh, in what relation do the communists stand to the proletarians as a whole? The communists do not form a separate party opposed to the other working class parties. They have no interests separate and apart from those of the proletariat as a whole. They do not set up any sectarian principles of their own by which to shape and mold the proletarian movement. The communists are distinguished from the other working class parties by this only. Number one, in the national struggles of the proletarians of different countries, they point out and bring to the front the common interests of the entire proletariat, independently of all nationality. Number two, in the various stages of development which the struggle of the working class against the bourgeoisie has to pass through, they always and everywhere represent the interests of the movement as a whole. The communists, therefore, are on the one hand practically the most advanced and resolute section of the working class parties of every country, that section which pushes forward all others. On the other hand, theoretically, they have, over the great mass of the proletariat, the advantage of clearly understanding the line of march, the conditions, and the ultimate general results of the proletarian movement. The immediate aim of the communists is the same as that of all other proletarian parties. Formation of the proletariat into a class. Overthrow of the bourgeois supremacy. Conquest of political power by the proletariat. The theoretical conclusions of the communists are in no way based on ideas or principles that have been invented or discovered by this or that would-be universal reformer. They merely express, in general terms, actual relations springing from an existing class struggle from a historical movement going on under our very eyes. The abolition of existing property relations is not at all a distinctive feature of communism. All property relations in the past have continually been subject to historical change consequent upon the change in historical conditions. The French Revolution, for example, abolished feudal property in favor of bourgeois property. 
The distinguishing feature of communism is not abolition of property generally, but the abolition of bourgeois property. But modern bourgeois private property is the final and most complete expression of the system of producing and appropriating products that is based on class antagonisms, on the exploitation of the many by the few. So In I this sense, the theory of the communists talk about um, the, the idea of property. Um, it, it's a common argument on the left, um, particularly between more liberal oriented reformers and communists or anarchists and communists but anyway um so the the next sentence talks about the abolition of private property but this paragraph gave context um right private property is that which is used to produce on personal property refers to your home, your vehicle, your personal belongings. There's a difference between the two and people all too often mistake one for the other when they hear us calling out private property because they're like, oh, you want to take our house? No, we want to seize the means of production. Right. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, in this sense, the theory of the communists may be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private property. And that's why I cut you off right there. Um, because before we to said clarify that, that first, so people don't get pissed. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, we communists have been reproached with the desire of abolishing the right of personally acquiring property as the fruit of a man's own labor, which property is alleged to be the groundwork of all personal freedom, activity, and independence. Hard-won, self-acquired, self-earned property. Do you mean the property of the petty artisan and of the small peasant, a form of property that preceded the bourgeois form? There is no need to abolish that. The development of industry has to a great extent already destroyed it and is still destroying it daily. Or do you mean modern bourgeois private property? But does wage labor create any property for the laborer? Not a bit. It creates capital, i.e. that kind of property which exploits wage labor and which cannot increase except upon condition of begetting a new supply of wage labor for fresh exploitation. Property in its present form is based on the antagonism of capital and wage labor. Let us examine both sides of this antagonism. To be a capitalist is to have not only a purely personal, but a social status in production. Capital is a collective product, and only by the united action of many members, nay, in the last resort, only by the united action of all members of society can it be set in motion. Capital is, therefore, not a personal, it is a social power. When, therefore, capital is converted into common property, into the property of all members of society, Personal property is not thereby transformed into social property. It is only the social character of the property that has changed. It loses its class character. Let us now take wage labor. The average price of wage labor is the minimum wage, i.e. that quantum of the means of substance, which is absolutely requisite in bare existence as a laborer. What, therefore, the wage laborer appropriates by means of his labor, 
merely suffices to prolong and reproduce a bare existence. We by no means intend to abolish this personal appropriation of the products of labor, an appropriation that is made for the maintenance and reproduction of human life, and that leaves no surplus wherewith to command the labor of others. All that we want to do away with is the miserable character of this appropriation, under which the laborer lives merely to increase capital, and is allowed to live only insofar as the interests of the ruling class require it. In bourgeois society, living labor is but a means to increase accumulated labor. In communist society, accumulated labor is but a means to widen, to enrich, to promote the existence of the laborer. To increase the material conditions of the laborer. Because you should be reaping the benefits of your labor. Yeah. In bourgeois society, therefore, the past dominates the present. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I'm not going to dive too deep into this, but think about any right wing person you know. You know, like, make America great again. Just, just saying. When it never really was, but exactly. they really missed the 50s. They want their they want their Jim Crow laws back. And, yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, in bourgeois society, capital is independent and has individuality, while the living person is dependent and has no individuality. And the abolition of this uh, state of things is called by the bourgeois abolition of individuality and freedom. <laughs> we still hear that today. Uh, and yeah. rightly so, the abolition of bourgeois individuality, bourgeois independence and bourgeois freedom is undoubtedly aimed at. By freedom is meant under the present bourgeois conditions of production, free trade, free selling, free buying. But if selling and buying disappears, free selling and buying disappears also. This talk about free selling and buying and all the other, quote, brave words of our bourgeoisie about freedom in general have a meaning, if any, only in contrast with restricted selling and buying with the unfettered traders of the Middle Ages, but have no meaning when opposed to the communistic abolition of buying and selling, the bourgeois conditions of production and of the bourgeoisie itself. You are horrified at our intending to do away with private property but in your existing society, private property is already done away with for nine-tenths of the population. Its existence for the few is solely due to its non-existence in the hands of those nine-tenths. You reproach us, therefore, with intending to do away with a form of property, the necessary condition for those whose existence is the non-existence of any property for the immense majority of society. And I've got to interrupt you there because we have to put this in perspective that at this point in time when Marx was writing this and Engels, um, when they were writing this, that was only 90% of the population getting fucked by 10%. And now, today, it's 99% of the population being fucked by 1%. So it's only gotten worse. Well, I mean, it's I would say it's a fraction of, a of the population that does not have probably after the last year with the pandemic because yeah. so much more wealth has been um, accumulated into 
those hold a few hands, you know, <coughs> Elon. <laughs> oh my God, anyway. man. So this is totally unrelated, but you know, like, I'm sure by now everybody that knows that Bezos went to space in a dick rocket. But, yeah. well, he didn't really go to space because the FAA changed the regulations the same day. But anyway, um, well, actually, okay, so he did go to space, but he isn't an astronaut. That's what changed. Anyway, um, he right. literally got out of that rocket wearing a fucking cowboy hat, dude, and thanked every Amazon employee and every Amazon customer because you all paid for it. So he acknowledged that instead of paying his employees, he fucking went to space with the money. I'm just saying. Yeah. Right. After he's just um, fought against them calling for wages and their benefits and instead bought himself a nesting yacht that he could park his other fucking yachts in and went to space on a big fucking dick for 11 minutes. The whole flight was 11 minutes. The whole flight was 11 minutes. Like the ascent, three minutes in space and descent. That's lame. Nothing productive was done there. Anyway. No, and no like meaningful science was done. It wasn't like some new technology. NASA did all the legwork. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Where were Anyways, we? um, do, 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 second to last paragraph on page 23. Oh, actually for, I, I think we're in one word, right? Yep. Yeah. That's the top of page 23 for me. But remember, I'm in the book book. Oh, you're in the paperback. Yep. In, in one word. Huh? Hardcover. Ah, even better. Nice. Yeah. Um, in one word, you reproach us with intending to do away with your property. Precisely so. That is just what we intend. From the moment when labor can no longer be converted into capital, money, or rent, into a social power capable of being monopolized, i.e. from the moment when individual property can no longer be transformed into bourgeois property, into capital, from that moment, you say, individuality vanishes. You must therefore confess that by individual, you mean no other person than the bourgeois, than the middle class owner of property. This person must indeed be swept out of the way and made impossible. Communism deprives no man of the power to appropriate appropriate the products of society. All that it does is to deprive him of the power to subjugate the labor of others by means of such appropriations. It has been objected that upon the abolition of private property, All work will cease, and universal laziness will overtake us. We still hear that today. Jesus fucking Christ. According to this, bourgeois society ought long ago to have gone to the dogs through sheer idleness. For those of its members who work, acquire nothing, and those who acquire anything do not work. 
I've been saying that for a while. Thank you, Marx. Marx agrees with me on this. The whole of this objection is but another expression of the tautology that there can no longer be any wage labor when there is no longer any capital. All objections urged against the communistic mode of producing and appropriating material products have, in the same way, been urged against the communistic mode of producing and appropriating intellectual products. Just as to the bourgeoisie, the disappearance of class property is the disappearance of production itself. So the disappearance of class culture is to him identical with the disappearance of all culture. That culture, the loss of which he laments, is, for the enormous majority, a mere training to act as machine. But don't wrangle with us so long as you apply to our intended abolition of bourgeois property, the standard of your bourgeois notions of freedom, culture, law, etc. Your very ideas are but the outgrowth of the conditions of your bourgeois production and bourgeois property, just as your jurisprudence is but the will of your class made into a law for all, a will whose essential character and direction are determined by the economical conditions of existence of your class. The selfish misconception that induces you to transform into eternal laws of nature and of reason, the social forms springing from your present mode of production and form of property, historical relations that rise and disappear in the progress of production, this misconception you share with every ruling class that has preceded you, what you see clearly in the case of ancient property, what you admit in the case of feudal property, you are of course forbidden to admit in the case of your own bourgeois form of property. Abolition of the family, even the most radical flare-up of this, or at this infamous proposal of the communists. On what foundation is the present family, the bourgeois family, based? On capital, on private gain. In its completely developed form, this family exists only amongst the bourgeoisie. But this state of things finds its complement in the practical absence of the family along the proletarians and in public prostitution. The bourgeois family will vanish as a matter of course when its complement vanishes, and both will vanish with the vanishing of capital. Do you charge us with wanting to stop the exploitation of children by their parents? To this crime we plead guilty. But you say... We destroy the most hallowed of relations when we replace home education by social and your education. Is not that also social and determined by the social conditions under which you educate, by the intervention, direct or indirect, of society, by means of schools, etc.? The communists have not invented the intervention of society in education. But they do seek to alter the character of that intervention and to rescue education from the influence of the ruling class. The bourgeois claptrap about the family and education, about the hollowed correlation of parents and child, becomes all the more disgusting, the more by the action of modern industry, all the family ties among the proletarians are torn asunder and their children transformed into simple articles of commerce and instruments of labor. So I, I want to interject here to point out the conditions 
in the 1840s. I mean, child labor was a very prevalent thing. Yeah, it was a horrible problem. Right. And, and I mean, it was here in the United States, too. It wasn't just a European thing. Um, right. I, I mean, in a lot of places, things that would have been done by African slaves were then done by children. Right, with their families forcing them to, you know, go work in a shop instead of going to school. <laughs> or even yeah. if they did get to go to school, they were often coming home and having to still work. Whether it be, you know, at home because it's a farming situation or going to a shop if they lived in a city. Like, there's no excuse for little children working a line. It was expectation at its worst when the family couldn't afford to fucking survive unless the children worked too. That's horrendous. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, that was a there was a very common practice in that period of time. So at least we can say that at least that one paragraph in the Communist Manifesto is out of date. Find something else out of date in here. Right on. You want to dive in the next section? Yeah, sure. But you okay. communists would introduce community of women, screams the whole bourgeoisie in chorus. The bourgeois sees in his wife a mere instrument of production. He hears that the instruments of production are to be exploited in common and naturally can come to no other conclusion than that the lot of being common to all will likewise likewise sorry fall to the women he has not even a suspicion that the real point is to do away with the status of women as mere instruments of production <laughs> it's almost Which like marx, it's almost like marx might have thought that women were people or something crazy like that right right like we're not just instruments feeding mares we still have backwards-ass thinking men today who literally look at women as objects and property and you only exist to carry my seed. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Thank goodness. Uh, Marx was so ahead of his time there of going, wait a fucking minute, women are people too. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard some anarchist critiques of Marxism saying that, that patriarchy is still very much prevalent in some of Marx's work. And I, I don't think that even he would argue with that. He was like, look at his conditions. That's the conditions that he came from. But he did, I mean, and that's just the first example. That's certainly not the only example. But he did actively try to unlearn that. And change the perspective of those around him in that. Right. You know, just because he was consciously aware of the fact that he was living in patriarchal society didn't mean he wasn't addressing that in a more forward thinking manner. He was. Right. right. Exactly. He was ahead and of his time. <clears throat> exactly. And I mean, like, I, I feel like trying to hold a, a lot of historical figures to modern values is really hard regardless of where in the world you're talking about right i mean i remember as a teenager like you know learning about like 
certain aspects of Asian history. And it's just so, you know, like brutal. Of course, we're not gonna understand that accurately from a modern perspective. Why should we think that we would somehow understand 1840s Germany any better? Right. We weren't here. The best we can do is read the words of those who were there and try to understand their perspective. Right. Sorry, anyway, go ahead. Or was it me? <laughs> uh, it is still on you. <laughs> Are we at For the Rest? Yes. Ah, yes. You read for three paragraphs and you're like, go ahead. <laughs> for the rest, nothing is more ridiculous than the virtuous indi indignation of our bourgeois, the community of women, which they pretend is to be openly and officially established by the communists. The communists have no need to introduce community of women. It has existed almost from time immemorial. Our bourgeois... Yeah. What? Just nod my head and said, yeah, that's oh. all. Yeah. Yeah. Our bourgeois, not content with having the wives and daughters of their proletarians at the at their disposal, do not speak of common prostitutes. Take the greatest pleasure in seducing each other's wives. Bourgeois marriage is in reality a system of wives in common, and thus, at the most, what the communists might possibly be reproached with is that they desire to introduce in substitution for a hypocr hypocritically concealed and openly legalized community of women. For the rest, it is self-evident that the abolition of the present system of production must bring with it the, abolution, uh, the abolition of um, the community of women springing from that system, i.e. of prost prostitution, both public, and, eh, both public and private. And this is something that has been expanded on by Marxist scholars since Mark, uh, since Mark, since Marx, Jesus Christ, I can't talk today. Um, and I, I would say the most modern communists are probably in disagreement that we need to ban prostitution. Um, well, sex workers I, are still workers. I, I don't think he's speaking necessarily on the banning of sex work. He's, to me, it comes you're cutting out really bad. He says both public and private. The private part he's referring to is women being sold by fathers to their. Well, yeah, and I mean prostitutes with Johns. Women being. I can't hear anything you're saying. God damn it. Oh my God. Uh, let me try to hold the phone over by the window for a better better signal here. Um, I hear you now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Fucking internet. Um, it, it's speaking to the fact that women were so limited legally in what they could work, what they could own, etc., that they had no fucking choice but to marry a man in order to have survivability, in order to have stability. That 
you're literally forced into marriage as a form of prostitution when you're not yeah. fucking allowed to work and to own property. And this is something I have pointed out to people when it comes to the whole fucking idea of, you know, the, the stay at home wife of like that's archaic and backwards because that's that is living a woman. First of all. Yeah, it's unpaid labor like a motherfucker, you know, but that's that's part of the problem there of, you know, women having been subjected to basically have to get married to survive. That is still a form of prostitution. You're selling yourself to a husband instead of to a John. Um, but well, there's right. also and, and I mean, like, that... willing sex work is real work. But if you're being trafficked, then you're being exploited. Fair enough. Consent matters. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and I mean, that's ultimately the distinction that I was trying to say there is that on its face value, a lot of modern communists might disagree with that particularly with that particular paragraph. But I mean, basically. It's due to it's their a, interpretation. I mean, that's true, too. But regardless, though, uh, if, if they're talking about um, prostitution in a modern communist sense, I've never met. I'm sure I know that there are because I have uh, encountered them on the Internet, but I've never met a uh, communist that was anti-sex work. Um, but they do exist right. on the Internet. We're I have encountered it on the internet. We're definitely against people kidnapping and trafficking women in order to exploit them because Correct. for one, lack of consent, and for two, that is someone else capitalizing on the labor of that sex worker, which is not cool. The sex worker deserves to get every fucking bit of the wealth produced by their labor. And when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter if you're working on a farm, working on the line or working um, in sex work, you are selling your body to a certain extent. Um, you know, like I believe it was Jason that said, I have the marks of communism all over my body. <laughs> you know, he said- The he marks of capital. He was like, I didn't need capitalism. to read capital. I have the marks of capital all over my body. Yeah. That's accurate. I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I misspoke there for a second, but yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you meant. Though. Um, and it's it's basically you know boils down to for one consent and for two, are you being exploited or are you the one reaping the means of your fucking labor? You know, um, so like, are we against? People who are consenting, self-employed sex workers, fuck no, make that money, honey. Are we against people being trafficked by fucking pimps? Yeah. Fuck exactly. that pimp. That pimp ain't doing shit. Exactly. Fuck that pimp, but not with your pussy. <laughs> anyway, back to marks and angles. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh... <laughs> The communists are further reproached with desiring to abolish countries and nationality. The working men have no country. We cannot take from them what they have not got. Since the proletariat must first of all acquire political supremacy, must rise to be the leading class of the nation, 
must constitute itself the nation. It is, insofar, itself national, though not in the bourgeois sense of the word. National differences and antagonisms between peoples are daily more and more vanishing, owing to the development of the bourgeoisie, to freedom of commerce, to the world market, to uniformity in the mode of production and the conditions of life corresponding thereto. Um, I think the context that's missing from this, and he wouldn't have been capable of having it, is that all of that came at the expense of the global south. Yeah. Um, which I believe he touches on in one of the volumes <laughs> of Capital, but... Yeah. <clears throat> if I remember right. Anyway. <laughs> the uh, supremacy of the proletariat will cause <laughs> them to vanish still faster. United action of the leading civilized countries, at least, is one of the first conditions for the emancipation of the proletariat. In proportion, uh, as the exploitation of one individual by another is put to an end, or is put an end to, the exploitation of one nation by another will also be put an end to. In proportion, as the antagonism between classes within the nation vanishes, the hostility of one nation to another will come to an end. The charges against communism made from a religious, philo uh, philosophical, and generally from an ideological standpoint are not deserving of serious examination. Looking at you, America. Looking at you, Park. Looking at you, New York Times. Your arguments against communism are bullshit. <laughs> right. Uh, does it require deep intuition to right, comprehend yeah. that man's ideas, views, and conceptions in one word, man's consciousness, changes with every change in the conditions of his material existence, in his social relations, and in, in his social life? What else does the history of ideas prove than that intellectual production challenges its character and uh, proportion as material production has changed? The ruling ideas of each age have never been in the ideas of its ruling class. When people speak of ideas that revolutionize society, they do but express the fact that within the old society, the elements of a new one have been created and that the dissolution of the old ideas keeps even pace with the dissolution of the old conditions of existence. When the ancient world was in its last throes, the ancient religions were overcome by Christianity by force largely when right. christian ideas succumbed in the 18th century to rationalist ideas feudal society fought its death battle with the len the then revolutionary bourgeoisie like our founding fathers for example right uh the ideas of religious liberty and freedom of conscience merely gave expression to the sway of free competition within the domain of knowledge Undoubtedly, it will be said, religious, uh, moral, philosophical, and juridical ideas have been modified in the course of historical development. But religion, morality, philosophy, political science, and law constantly survived this change. I don't get why these paragraphs are in quotes. They're not like sourced. Right. Is is it like? Oh, they're quoting accusations. Yeah, but like I'm, I kind of wish they would have said from who. But I guess to be fair, they're probably by everybody. 
like the bourgeoisie. Anyway, yeah. there are besides eternal truths such as freedom, justice, etc., that are common to all states of society. But communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion and all morality instead of constituting them on a new basis. It therefore acts in, in contradiction to all past historical experience. What does this accusation, <laughs> there's the answer, reduce itself to? <laughs> the history of all past societies consisted uh, in the development of class antagonisms, antagonisms that, that assume different forms at different epochs. But whatever form they may have taken, one fact is common to all past ages, uh, the exploitation of one part of society by the other. No wonder then that the social consciousness of past ages, despite all the multiplicity and ver uh, variety it displays, moves within certain common forms or general ideas, which cannot completely vanish except with the total disappearance of class antagonisms. The communist revolution is the most <laughs> radical rupture with tradition, uh, traditional properly relation, property relations, damn it. And, and we still see that to, like up till today, really. Um, I would say that even, even anarchist based land reform movements were based in the communist idea of land reforms. Like, Anarchist property relations and Marxist property relations, unless we're talking about anarcho-capitalists, which aren't really anarchists, <laughs> um, then you know, like property relations <laughs> are more or less viewed the same. And I think that that needs to be a very strong point of unification between communists and anarchists. But anyway, I digress. Um, but let us have done... Uh, with the bourgeois objections to communism. We have seen above that the first step in the revolution by the working class is to raise the proletariat to the position of ruling as to win the battle of democracy. The proletariat will use its political supremacy to wrest by degrees all capital from the bourgeoisie to centralize all instruments of production in the hands of the state, i.e., of the proletariat organized as the ruling class. That's what state means in this context. Um, right, not government, but the people. Right, I, I mean like, the people the being organized would be considered a government regardless of what form it took though. I mean, even the Paris Commune, looking back at it, uh, it wasn't a traditional government, but it was a governing body. Part of there is the difference. It's not a representative thing where you can just shit in one hand and wish in the other and hope that they fucking do what they said they were gonna do, like what we have now, where they they call themselves representative, but they're not representing any of us. They're representing their own fucking wallet and their own ambitions. Period. Mm hmm. Um and to increase the total of productive forces as rapidly as possible. <laughs> and I mean, that line, that line, uh, and to increase the total of productive for actually the last two lines um, of the proletariat organized as a ruling class and to increase the total of productive forces as rapidly as possible. Look at the USSR. Look at China. 
Look at Vietnam. I don't know anything about modern Vietnam, so I'm not trying to give it any sort of modern context, but at least look at Russian and China and, v and, and even Ho Chi Minh's revolution. Look at while the revolution was happening, what happened. Right. Um, and shortly following it, obviously. Uh, we saw Marxist-Leninist state after Marxist-Leninist state achieving um I, I mean look at china okay like i can't you can say what you want about their markets being capitalistic but look at their quality of life they don't have homelessness they don't have extreme poverty they don't have children dying of hunger they don't right. die due to lack of health care i mean I'm just saying. <laughs> right. They have literally made it where the proletariat is the ruling class there. They don't have a ruling class of bourgeoisie. They have a few people who have been allowed to become wealthy because what they were doing was also paying a fuck ton of taxes because they're capped in how much they can make. They're paying a fuck ton of taxes that pay for socialist and communist programs to do what you just said, of ending hunger, ending lack of access to health care, ending homelessness. So they've they've made use of that for the right reasons. They didn't allow capitalism to go unfettered and exploit the fuck out of their masses. Well, right, and I mean, right now, there is a huge thing going on in the tech industry in China. And uh, I mean, now you have to have a member of the Communist Party on your board, regardless of what your business does. If it's big enough to have yep. a board, there's a communist on the board. <laughs> Sorry, phone ringing. You're good. I'm going to get back to reading now. <laughs> um, of course, in the beginning, this cannot be affected except by means of despotic inroads on the rights of property and on the conditions of bourgeois production. By means of measures, therefore, which appear economically insufficient and untenable, but which, in the course of the movement, outstrip themselves, necessitate further inroads upon the old social, social order and are unavoidable as a means of entirely revolutionizing the mode of production. These measures will, of course, be different in different countries. Nevertheless, in most advanced countries, the following will be pretty generally applicable. One, the abolition of property and land and application of all rents to go to public purposes. Hmm, so you mean if there is rent, then it pays for other people's rent? Social, social shit? Public purposes? Anyway. Uh, uh, two, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Emphasis on heavy and progressive. And uh, number three, the abolition of all right of inheritance. Number four, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Five. Actually, I'll, I'll circle back to that. All emigrants and rebels. That doesn't mean the rebels that rose up to create the proletarian state. That means, as Fidel called them, the gusanos. Um, anyway, five. Centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital 
whoa, a national bank that makes their own money? Gee, I wonder why the fucking capitalists hate communists. Right. I mean, they already fucked this country, at least, out of having our own monetary system that was controlled and printed by us in favor of a private fucking bank that wants to lie and be manipulative and even calling itself a federal reserve. There's nothing federal about it because we don't control that. That's controlled by private hands that want to exploit and make money off of every fucking dollar that they print to the point that it's so front loaded with interest that there's literally never enough money in circulation in existence to actually pay back what's owed. We will per- we will forever until we destroy that fucking system and dismantle. We will forever owe the Federal Reserve private banking institution more money than exists. Yep. This is why, this is why Marx was calling for a state-owned fucking banking system because the state is the people. We are the ones who deserve to control the value and uh, fluctuation of our fucking money. I digress. Um, Number six is pretty relevant today too. Centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. So... I always hear so much about, you know, state media. Nobody trusts state media, right? Whether it's out of China or out of Cuba or out of Russia, nobody trusts state media. But when something happens in the United States, when something happens in the United States, if you haven't paid attention, you, you read five different stories about it and they all say almost the exact same thing. It probably came from the State Department. How is that not state-run media? Plus, six men own like 96 media companies, which is, you know, like 98% of our media. Yeah. Being controlled by the opinions of a small handful of people telling you what the fuck to think. Exactly. How is that not any fucking worse than the state actually controlling the media? I guess I guess I just don't understand it. But um, anyway, I do. I, I didn't hear I think it was on my end but I didn't hear any of that it was glitching out for a second and like my video froze so I think it was on my end Um, but uh, anyway, the, the state holding the, um, the means of communication and transport, um, I think is 
I think is rather important. I mean, maybe the communication, you know, we should take another look at that. We should be able to have private uh, conversations, right? Like, I, I do think that that's an issue, but... Well, we don't have that even with, right? you know, buying our fucking phone access from privately held companies. Exactly. They're still listening to our conversations and fucking anybody with one of those scanners that the fucking alphabet menus can fucking pick up your cell signal and your conversation any fucking time they want. So, you know, we don't have that. <laughs> We don't right. have that. And, and, but, and transport. Um, I think and what transport. he is alluding to here is that having, yes, the I think what he is alluding to here is having free access to communicate and travel. Um, yes. You know, like a public transit system, you know, things like that, that you don't have to go and spend a fuck ton of money just to be able to get where you need to go around town. But you want to know what it doesn't say in there? Censorship um, of. Yeah. It says centralization. It doesn't say of. censorship. Censorship of though is a capitalist thing because they're, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the bourgeoisie class wanting to control the flow of information. Right. And uh transport's important too. Look at our terrible fucking transportation infrastructure. And I mean, I don't care if we're talking about trains, right. highways, fucking whatever. It's all fucked. Um, yeah, and, and that's because over the last 30 years we've sold it off to the lowest bidder or highest bidder. Sorry, well, we sell well, our contracts the thing, to the lowest bidder, yeah, as far as like road work and shit like that. But the thing is, okay, look at Disney World, damn. Okay. Most other industrialized countries have updated their means of transportation. You know, like China, Japan, all these countries have bullet trains as public transit. And we're stuck with old fucking coal. I, I can't hear anything you're saying. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I can't hear you. Did you lose Zoom again? You did lose Zoom again. Okay. Um, seven. Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. The bringing into cultivation of wastelands and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with a common plan. So, you know, they're talking about soil improvements. They're talking about, you know, building out, expanding the means of production. Um, Number eight. Uh, Oh yeah, I meant to say in accordance with a common plan. That means benefiting the common man. Well, the common person, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Eight, equal liability to all labor. <laughs> Establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture, they were focused heavily on feeding people. Yeah. And I mean, that's still going to be important today. 
freaking important. And, and, and I mean, it, it's still going to be important today if we want to have any sort of sustainable production of agriculture here. Um, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries. That didn't work out great for Cuba because they had a bunch of, you know, like big harvesters, combines and shit. And they had to go back to doing it the old school way because they didn't have the means to replace the stuff. But anyway, um, um, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equal, uh, equable distribution of the population over the country. So, you know, there wouldn't be tiny little sweet, nice white towns. And that scares the shit out of white people. I get it. I'm from a little tiny, small white town, but I mean, I would rather everybody have a reasonable space to exist like straight right. up um and, and i think that we sh there shouldn't be so much of a, a distinction between town and country we should have sustainable walkable green communities yep so i mean ultimately it would be like getting rid of the city model and making you know like small towns and villages you know like how naturally we would have congregated anyway and number 10 this is number 10 is one what? no excuse for there being really wealthy people who own fucking square miles while other people have a fucking strip of grass outside their house that's pressed right up against x house yeah. Number 10 is uh, one of my favorites here. Free education for all children in public schools. Abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Combination of education with industrial production. On and on. I don't know what ampersand C means, but and C. Etc. Hmm. Anyway, um, so combination of education with industrial production, what we're saying is, uh, you know, like actually have kids coming out of school that are prepared for the jobs that the market currently has. Uh, to put it in a capitalist context, except for in a planned economy, it wouldn't be, they would know, they would already know. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to pick what you're going to do. And no, it certainly doesn't mean that everybody's going to have a, a great uh, job that they love. No, that's probably not going to be the case. But you want to know what we don't have? Wage slavery. You want to know what we don't have? Right. Poverty. Homelessness. And he didn't even mention housing in that 10 points. But every Marxist state that's ever existed focused heavily on housing. Um, anyway, when, in the course of development, class distinctions have disappeared and all production has been concentrated in the hands of a vast association of the whole nation, the public power will lose its political character. Political power, properly so-called, is merely the organized power of one class for oppressing another. 
If the proletariat during its contest with the bourgeoisie is compelled by the force of circumstances to organize itself as a class, if by means of a revolution, it makes itself the ruling class and as such sweeps away by force the old conditions of production, then it will, along with these conditions, have swept away the conditions for the existence of class antagonisms and of classes generally, and will thereby have abolished its own supremacy as a class. And that paragraph is another one that scares white people because they want to be upper middle class, comfortable, you know, what they perceive as powerful. Uh, in place of the old bourgeois society with its classes and class antagonisms, we shall have an association in which the free development of each is the condition for the free development of all. So in other words, an injury to one is an injury to all. Indeed. Um, anyway, I uh, really got to get this working. So I'm going to do a quick outro here and then it'll be up hopefully at five. Um, okay. If you I don't know if you can even hear me clearly because my, my shit's been just cutting in and out and bopping off fucking internet and out into the ether so right yeah I'm we've sorry. definitely had some technical difficulties today that's for sure um yeah anyway we're on facebook twitter instagram tiktok youtube we have a website www.forwearemany.org uh as well as our patreon www.patreon.com slash forwearemany and uh keep an eye out for anything new that we'll have coming out Indeed. Anything else you want to add, or? Um, not that I can think of. Nope. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you again tomorrow. All righty. Have a good one. You too. <laughs>